school, you're going to see them come out being very, very excited about this today. So I'm going to give you the heads up on what it's all about so that you can go, I know. Okay, so what Nicola and the ladies are teaching the kids today is that the goal is that God loves us and He wants to be with us and He wants us to be heaven with Him. But because of the black, because of the sin, we cannot be with God. So Jesus came and he took our punishment, which is the red, by dying on the cross. And then he wanted to say, now that we have no sin, when we believe in Jesus, we have no more sin and we grow in relationship with God and can be with him in heaven one day. And then the green, which is where we're going to go, is we need to grow in our relationship with God. And then she says, how to we read and we pray. So when our kiddies come home and they're super excited about the fact that they have accepted Jesus into their life, in the back of my Bible, I've got my little card from 1978, when um, I gave my life to Jesus, and whoever it was that was in the Sunday school had written out the little card, and it was so exciting, because I had this truth in my life. But how I was going to pursue that, and how I was going to walk that out, and how I was going to grow in relationship with Jesus was another story altogether. And I believe this is where our responsibility as believers is absolutely critical, that we are able to show them the how-to. Because when they come out of Sunday school, they believe that their name has been called, but now what? Now what? Do they just come out and go, oh well, that's it. Don't. You've been saved. That's fabulous. And now what do you do? So now you live out another 70 years of just simply believing that you've been called and you're going to be one day. That is true. But when we sing these incredible songs, when we read these incredible words, that he who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine, do you think that that is only for the day that you stand with him in heaven? Or do you not believe that there is so much that he chooses to give us now? Do you not realize we speak about the harvest and we speak about the fact that there are so many who need to come to the knowledge of Jesus? Well, maybe they don't come to the knowledge of Jesus because they look at us and they think we're boring. Maybe they look at us and they go, well, it's easy to label the church as a bunch of hypocrites, but maybe they're just having a look and they're going, they're not living in the fullness that's stirring inside of me. So surely that can't be Jesus. What if we live displaying and demonstrating Reach 
together, we can go out and God says, He says, I will build my church. So take off and shake off the responsibility and the burden that you're feeling that it's all up to you to be able to say or do the right thing. Come on, that weight will crush you. Because it is only by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit that we are able to do that. Pastor Kurt spoke last week about power. And it is not by wise and persuasive word, but by demonstration, by the power of the Holy Spirit. So it is essential that we get to know this power who is within us. That when Jesus died and when he met with Mary, and we can't go like, oh, well, I don't have that, that out, just outside the tomb experience that Mary did. I haven't seen Jesus. Oh, you see him every day in everything. Why? Because the Holy Spirit, who is in you, he is the one revealing it. He reveals it through your grandchildren. He reveals it through your great-grandchildren. He reveals it through the, the wind and the rain outside. He reveals it through the sunshine. He reveals it in the sunrise and in the sunset. He reveals it through the new flower that is opening. He reveals it in the smile and the stranger in the store. He's speaking all the time. We just do not recognize it because we have become numb through religion. And I'm sorry if that offends your heart, I'm not sorry. But I really do believe that there is a time that we need to grow up. Because when Jeremiah was sent, this man spent 40 plus years going out and speaking to rulers and to leaders. He was not met with favor. I can imagine that in, in this chapter one we read about him, it's like, wow, he's appointed as a prophet to the nation. You're expecting every invitation. You're expecting to be the next Joy, Joyce Meyer or T.D. Jakes. Here I come. Guess what? He was thrown into dungeons. He was thrown into pits. He was assaulted. He was excluded. He was ridiculed. He was hated. But he heard the call of God on his life. And he knew, if I have been appointed and I have this assignment and I have this anointing, well then best I go. So by the time we get to Jeremiah 29, 11, which we all love, if we understand this man's faithfulness coming up behind those words, suddenly, yes, it's a fabulous tattoo on your arm. But when you understand the weight that this man must have carried, the understanding that I am not seeing the fulfillment yet of this word, and being a prophet doesn't sound all that glamorous, but I will because of who you say I am. He asks him quite an incredible question. He says, what do you see, Jeremiah? What do you see in front of you? And I want to say this again to you today, with your own name in that space. What do you see in front of you? What do you see in front of you? Because, because you've been called, and we've said this time and time again, it isn't about standing up in front of the church. It isn't about leading a ministry. It isn't about being a CEO. It isn't about being the next great whatever. It's about being who you call to be wherever you are. So what is it that you see? Because what you see may not resonate with the one next to you. That doesn't mean it doesn't matter. It means that you carry the answer to be carried into a certain area. And I heard a really, really interesting chat the other day about anxiety and fear because it is a very real thing about around every single one of us. We sing songs about it for a very good reason. Every single one of us, if you cut us, we bleed. We are going to find ourselves in spaces and places where this emotion stirs up inside of us that we're not too sure what it is that we ought to be doing with it. 
And this woman says, she says, that she believes that our soul, and she says, our spirit only knows the truth. It can't be lied to. It only knows what Jesus says to us. So when we are born again, when we receive Jesus into our life, and we're rearing our bracelet with all of this incredible truth that we're believing in, our spirit that has been born again only knows the truth. It knows everything from Genesis through to Revelation. It knows absolutely every dream and idea that the Father has for you. Your spirit has come alive because you, are, you have the indwelling Holy Spirit inside of you. But your soul is where all of your lies and your traumas and your disappointments dwell. We need to realize these truths that we are made up of body, soul, and spirit. I want to challenge you. How are you going to teach a bunch of six or seven-year-olds that truth? But how are they going to walk in the freedom and the joy of walking out their salvation if they don't understand that there's an enemy that wants to keep them trapped in their soul area and keep them trapped in the trauma and the disappointment of life and never living in the freedom of their spirit man? And she said, she said that 90% of the time our anxiety is a physical manifestation of an argument between the spirit and the soul because the soul always wants to self-protect, whereas the spirit wants to trust in Jesus. Come on. When I heard that, I was like, yes, please. We've spoken these things. We've done restoration courses. We've done all of these things. We've done deliverance courses. And sometimes I just feel like there is a fresh download on subjects that we have known so much about but we have just not necessarily been, had the words. Like almost like, just pop the light on it for a little bit. Let's actually have a look at what's happening there. Because we need to be able to walk in authority. But for far too long, and this isn't going to be my great saying, this is something Lisa Bavia says, she says, for far too long we've been cuddling the very things we're meant to crush. You've been cuddling what you're meant to crush. When I went through trauma as a child, yes, you did. But you know, I can't let go of that because who would I be without that? Can I tell you something? It's not the unforgiveness of your parents that you're holding on to. It's the lies of Satan that you cut out. There is a very, very real world that we're living in. And it is not what we see with the naked eye. It is in the places and the spaces that are around us in the spirit realm. If you think that you are simply born again to be great here for X number of years, Sorry. If you think that you're warring against the people that are standing in front of you, sorry. Please do me a favor and go back and read what the Word of God has to say. So we want to walk in authority. And if you have a look at the explanation of authority, it means the power to influence, to command thought, opinion, and behavior. Do you realize that? And you can have authority in the negative or in the positive. Because you can speak life or death. You can walk in and be seriously miserable and have authority over the atmosphere and make it miserable. You can be riddled with fear and you can walk into a room and you can have the authority in that area and the next thing everybody's like chittering around you because they're all so fearful about what's going to happen next and the next crazy person who's going to put a post on Facebook, well, that's the one who knows the answer. No. The power to determine, adjudicate or otherwise settle an issue. We've got some issues that we need to settle. The right to control, command, or determine. When we speak about control, we use it as a swear word because we just we think that, you know, well, we shouldn't be having control of our life. We shouldn't be living in submission to Jesus. Absolutely. Should you be taking control over your spirit? He tells us that he's given us a spirit of self-control. The power to direct the actions or thoughts of others. The power or the right, listen to this, 
the power or the right because of rank or office to issue commands and to punish for violations. Now, no, I have not crossed over onto the dark side, but I want you to understand that there is a militant side of you that needs to be birthed when it comes to taking on the enemy. So I know some of you saw him. Now, I've got this incredible weapon in your hand, and you're going to go out and you're going to do some business. In actual fact, 
I didn't share any story about because I saw some people in Israel that just trying to do some field work that didn't go very well. And I think sometimes that's what happens when we step out with, with the machete and we don't know what we're meant to be doing with it. And we actually end up quitting because it's too much hard work and people don't want to be around us because we make it look messy. But there is another really, really important part of the machete and it says that it's to kill or to defend. And when you start to do the first three, you can be guaranteed that there are things that are going to come out of the darkness, there are going to be the snakes that are going to come out to convince you otherwise, and then you've got to be able to pick up the machete and lob off its head and put an end to it. You don't rehome it, sorry for all of you animal lovers, like please, I'm not, I'm not saying we need to kill the snakes, I'm speaking spiritually now, right? You don't rehome it. You don't cuddle it. Lord Jesus, why do these people want to put these massive pythons and whatever? I'm like, why? But if you can imagine spiritually where you are back in, in a specific area, you just can't get rid of it. Why are you cutting it? Yes, we go through seasons and we have through time. I'm not saying that we're just going to have, but stop cuddling what you meant to crush. And you won't crush it unless you understand your authority that you have in Jesus. You won't understand the authority that you have if you're not going to take up the appointment. You're not going to decide, decide that you're going to step into the assignment and that you're going to believe that you're anointed. You are anointed. You are anointed, even if where you're sitting and you're like, oh, I've never gone up and had anybody pray for me and lay hands and I've never gone and attended this course and I've never had the shakes and I've never been fallen in the spirit. And I'm like, you are anointed. Grow in it. Grow in relationship with this, with this one who has come. The, the beautiful part there in, in Jeremiah is that he says, and then the Lord took out his hand and he touched my mouth and he said, now I have put my words in your mouth. When Jesus was raised from the dead, and when he sent off his disciples and he said, go and wait in the upper room, and there was the great outpouring that we all love to celebrate once a year, there are a whole lot of other weeks in the year that you need this too. There was a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, not just for the day of Pentecost, but for evermore. Amen. One of the things that Lisa McVeigh says, she says, well, far too often, there is a scripture that we, that we read and we use it incorrectly and it says, Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, now that the spirits are subjected to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And she says that we often use that scripture to justify snake handling, for those who come out of the charismatic movement, snake handling to prove we have spiritual authority. It's stupid and it's prideful and often fatal. We are not supposed to wrap ourselves in snakes any more than we would wrap ourselves in the power of the enemy. We have the authority to tread on, not hold. We are to crush rather than to cut yeah. When somebody comes to you and they're battling in an area and we hear those words, you need deliverance. There are some who want to deliver ourselves right out the back door because it can look ugly. <laughs> but if I go and I'm speaking to somebody, and you show this example, I've got to show him when I come back in this area and I believe that he understands his authority. And when he addresses it, I don't need to hear it. When I'm addressing things in my own life, I don't need to fear it. I understand.
what I have been committed to. We've been given authority to set the captives free, not bring them to church to get them set free, to set them free wherever you are. And you don't need to close your office door and have a half an hour prayer, bring out the anointing oil, put on some worship music, start praying in tongues and marching around them seven times to see the wall fall. Speak the truth. Speak the truth. And in that area, we need to know what is the truth. So, for instance, we're a person who's been battling with rejection. What would you put in place of that? Let's be practical when it comes to just basic lies and truth. What do you put in place of rejection? Oh, well, I think it means that you're part of this family. You are part of this family. No! Let me take you into the Word of God. And the Word of God says that because of Jesus, I've been adopted in as a son and a daughter of the Most High God. And I do not have to give up my place at the table. That's who you are. You've got a seat at the table. Come, sit down. Wow. Their perspective shifts. It's simple. It is simple. And it is powerful if we would just get to understand this more and more. But for us now, before we go giving out to everybody else, we need to take care of the lies that we are carrying around in our wounded soul area. We need to realize that we have been equipped with the machete that can put the axe, so to speak, to the, the, the snake head. But identify what those lies are in your soul area and stop holding on to it as though that's who you are. Surely, your past is behind you. Stop bringing it out. It's like some of us hold on to size jeans and we think that one day we're going to fit into them. Stop! It doesn't work! All go home, put them in the suitcase, bring them to the church tomorrow. Stop deceiving yourself. You see, you can all resonate And when you pack out your cupboard at the end of the year, you're like, oh, oh, no, let's just hold on. Maybe, maybe this next year. No, guys, you're being deceived. Likewise, when you keep carrying your past around, you're being deceived. And surely there should be something that rises up inside of you that says no more. Surely there should be something inside of you that says I've been called for more. Surely there should be something inside of you that says I believe that I need to see more. Because that's who he is. If you think you've seen everything of God, my friends, you have not read the Word of God. If you think that you've done the greatest worship service of your life, oh, you're so deceived. Because that one's still coming. If you think that you've felt the manifest presence of God and that is enough to, to just carry you through and maintain it for the rest of your life, gosh, you're living in such a short, narrow little idea of what the kingdom is. Because we serve the God of the impossible. That when you feel like you have nothing, He just rocks up with yeah. His best. Over yes. and over and over again. And He's so kind that He doesn't let us experience it every day because we would become fat and lazy. <laughs> we would become entitled and think, well, and that's just the norm. Yeah. No, He's not the norm. He's holy. He's not common. He's the almighty El Shaddai. The way he refers to Abraham, he says, I am the great El Shaddai. The great I am, the all-powerful one. If you think you've experienced and extended yourself to all that he is, you haven't met him yet. But there is this, there is this really, really sweet invitation. 
to understand that he has called you and he's given you the authority. He's given you the ability to walk in total freedom. He's given you the ability to be able to equip the next generation with such powerful truth. He's given you the ability to see revival break out in your home because the child who's been suffering with night terrors, you just get to speak the word and you just get to bring in the light and you just get to do all of these things just so naturally because that's who he is. Jesus demonstrated spiritual warfare to us in Luke 4. And we know the scripture well. If he goes off into the wilderness, as I'm not mistaken, I think Pastor Kirk might have mentioned it last week, I'm not sure. But it says that when Jesus returned to Galilee and in the power of the Holy Spirit, he's full of the Holy Spirit, he's not exempt from the enemy wanting to tear down to come to try and deceive him. But time and time and time again he says, it is written. And we think, yes, but Jesus, he's so holy, he's so great, and he's the all-powerful. Please let us remember that Jesus was in the form of a man, walking on this earth, demonstrating what it would look like to be a follower and an imitator and a representation of who Jesus is. And he comes and he teaches us that if you speak my word, the enemy will flee. I'm not making the words because you can go and find it. I think it's in James. Over and over and over again, these men and women for hundreds and hundreds, thousands of years have been doing the same thing. It is
to make to make decisions, to have a thought, to have an opinion, to think over and over and over and over and over again. If I can meet those thoughts with the truth of who God says I am, it would change the narrative, change the trajectory of my life.